This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic. Craziness. No time. No fun. Just work, work, work. work, work. work. Perform. Perform. Harder. Harder. Push. Push. Machines. High pressure. No time. It's time to slow down to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency On Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Efficiency On Demand. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I have a guest which I love to introduce today, or whom I love to introduce today, because she literally found out that you can sign up for my podcast on the website and just schedule a call with me. We are not yet really connected with each other, which we're going to change today. And she literally just uh, comes on the show and wants to talk about how millennials are going to be changing the workforce, I guess, right? So, well, we will talk about millennials and about everything else around that and how we can smash avocados. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So please welcome Jacqueline Cripps. Thank you so much Monique. for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Monique. It's such a pleasure to be here. And you're right. I I, uh, I came across the work that you're doing, which is amazing, by the way. And I thought, why not Thank sign you. up? Um, it's so great to be able to have another conversation around um, issues that matter. Right? Yeah. Thank you so much. And it's so funny. I think it's also the first time that I mentioned it on the podcast. I haven't mentioned it before. As I said, because I think it's an effort to make to find out about these things, you know, and I love it. It's great to be connected to you today. So tell everyone a little bit about you. Who are you? Where are you from? And what are you doing? Cool. So, um, well, just trying to package um, my life into a, uh, a short synopsis. So um, I'm, I'm currently living in London, Australian born. I've been here a couple of years now. I've had quite a diverse background uh, when it comes to my career, but I guess fundamentally over the last couple of years, I've been building my own business here in London. And what I do, what I'm passionate about doing is helping empower organizations and millennials in particular to get to better understand themselves. I guess from a, from a background point of view, I've, I've written a couple of books. Um, I just speak and consult around the world. And I guess in, in looking at the work that you're doing, Monique, around efficiency, you know, that has been to kind of get to the point where I am today. It's, it's always been such a huge part of my life. So here in London, I, I work in particular with organisations and leadership and management teams about better understanding their workforce and in particular generational diversity and the, the guess, preferences of preferences is probably the right word, but preferences and, and, and working ways of, of the millennial workforce and Gen Z workforce that are, that are coming into play at the moment. Earlier last year, I published uh, my second book around or specifically for our millennial generation, calling out, I guess, the, the, the big key issues or big ticket items that millennials seem to be struggling with in this day and age because it is a vastly different world to what it was once upon a time. So in that book, I, I again, as I said, call out those key issues that millennials are facing, again, to have that conversation about it because in, the, in a lot of the work that I do and a lot of the conversations I have, I feel like there's a lot of, of millennials and younger gens out there at the moment who are kind of trying to find or navigate their way around the world with a lot of external factors that they can't control, that they don't necessarily know that are there, that are impacting their ways of being and, and, and they're being able to live I guess, a life authentic to them. So what this book does essentially is, is again, talks around these, these, these things, why they are the way they are, and offers a few tips and some guidance strategies around what they can do to, I guess, harbour the, the changing world around them and then move forward and live that authentic life to them. So I guess in a nutshell, I, I sometimes feel, and I've had friends say, oh, you, you know, you're almost like this millennial translator where you're this middle person who kind of helps millennials better understand themselves and then translate millennial wants and needs and preferences to workplaces to better understand the uh, the new workforces coming in. So 
that's what I do in a nutshell. I do do a little bit of uh, keynote speaking uh, and consulting as well. And I do that on an international basis around the world. I love that. That's amazing. I think it's really important to help not only millennials, but especially now because that's the generation that will build the next, like the foundation for everything else in the future, right? So I think it's really important to kind of help them navigate because I don't know what generation you identify with. I'm millennial. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, millennial. If I may ask, what year are you born? 85. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so the millennial range is around about, we're looking at age ranges, probably around the 24, 25, up to 39-ish at the moment. And then we have Generation Z uh, are those under around the the 24-year-old mark. I mean, there's there's roughly around, if we look at generations, you know, over time, it's about a 15-year age like a 15-year cohort, so to speak. Um, people take a few years, but it's, I guess, the easiest for sociologists to kind of categorize people into groups of years. So, yeah, so I would look at myself and say I'm a little bit of an older millennial. Within generations, there is a, a bit of a, an, an ideal that, I guess, generations can be kind of subcategorized as well because I guess when you think about it, like 15 to 20 years is quite a long time and a lot happens in that. So yeah. I know with millennials in particular, um, there's, there's been – uh, some research come out around there are actually different preferences between younger younger millennials who might identify with you know Gen Z versus older millennials, but more specifically around I guess the the I guess if you can call it like the adult timeline or, or life milestone where a lot of our older millennials have not been or aren't impacted so much so as as what our younger millennials are with the, with the changing dynamics of the world these days. So yeah. Right. Quite interesting subject. Yeah, 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 totally. (laughs) So let's dive in there. So the three generations that are kind of like, or the two generations that sandwich the millennials are Gen Y. Is that correct? No, so so millennials are also known as as Generation Y. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so we have have on the bottom end, we've got our Generation Z. And on on the top end, we've got Generation X. And then we have our baby boomers. So they're okay. kind of like, you know, your parents would be like my parents, you know, baby boomers are in their late 50s, 60s. Right, right, right. The Gen X is, you know, the 40s to early 50s. Interesting. So, so, but Gen X could also be like the mid 30s right now. No. So Generation X is around about, I would say the cutoff is probably 39, 40. I would, I would say that there's a, yeah, any, any, any younger than that, um, before it's the millennial cohort or Gen Y cohort. It's so interesting because so I'm born 86, so I'm one year younger than you, but I don't identify 100% with the millennials. I feel like I'm really in between like Gen yeah. X and the millennials, right? And Absolutely. and I feel like this is this is really maybe also because of where I'm from because being from East Germany, I had a real I had a big influence on of this like very traditional, conventional work environment and everything, and a lot of influences on how to think about money and everything, right? So I think mm-hmm. this is also very different uh, from other places. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There are, um, I mean, from a from a sociological point of view, there's there's certainly been so much research done across the world in terms of each generation, and there are fundamental similarities with with each each generation in terms of you know values preferences because of those you know social historical economic circumstances that our generations are kind of growing up as a group of people but absolutely i mean at the end of the day we're all unique um so our we are going to have our um things that may not resonate with our generation of people and that's absolutely okay so yeah absolutely i mean it's i mean i don't like labels at all but i think when, when we're talking about like groups of people it's kind of easier to to like lump them into a category and and, and use and use generalizations but then you know bearing in mind that there are going to be differences <laughs> um again and, and again yeah. across the world depending on where you're growing up or what, what your parents are teaching you you know what you're being exposed to at a particular point in time so there are always going to be those nuances that that do that do in um, that you influence those individual wants, I guess. Yeah, totally. Okay, so let's dive in into like what the millennials are kind of looking like different from everything else or everyone else. So what do you think are the characteristics that make millennials so different from the generations before and why are they kind of looked down upon sometimes? And what makes them like different and kind of I feel sometimes millennials are the ones who could change these very traditional um, belief systems as well in our society so maybe let's dive into that yeah no you're absolutely right I think 
I think millennials have, have always, unfortunately, uh, been stereotyped or stereotyped into like the most unfavorable generation of people across the world. But but I guess there's, you know, I mean, I mean, we all have stereotypes across generations, and you know, whether or not we we like it or or, or not, you know, if we do look at across generations, there there are the stereotypes we've just unfortunately, I think, had the the stereotype that's been around the longest. I guess from from a millennial point of view, we we are we are a very very different generation of people, and I think. Predominantly because of that is is the influence of a couple of, of, of different things. First is we've, we've kind of grown up with a the notion of what's called helicopter parenting. So we have grown up in a world where we've been shaped largely by parental excess. So we have typically tended to have our parents make decisions for us, help us out along the way, almost to the point of us not necessarily being able to do it for ourselves. So we kind of grow up in this, and I'd say mollycoddle was probably too strong a word, but we do end up growing up in an environment where we, like I said, we are having our parents doing everything for us, but then it kind of rolls into this, you know, achievement or, or trophy-driven generation because we are being, you know, we grow up being rewarded and acknowledged for everything that, that we do, right? So, you know, growing up in this environment you know, we're getting participation awards for doing nothing in sports carnivals at school. You know, that was a personal example of mine. You know, we're, we're getting, you know, parents to, 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 again, to make decisions for us around, you know, what it is that we might want to be doing with our life, you know, where it is we might want to be buying our home. You know, we're growing up in a world where we're influenced by technology. So we are shaped by instant gratification in terms of needing everything done now. Used to this world where and more particularly in, in this day and age where everything is on demand and you can get right. everything like at the click of a button, right? So Yeah, Instagram um, likes, Facebook Exactly. You know, we, have, we have grown up in times where, you know, the world is changing from a, I guess from a diversity point of view where more conversations are, are being had, for example, we look at same-sex marriage. You know, so, so, we, so we're growing up in a world and, and have done where, I guess open-mindedness is like the new thing. It, it's like it's just it's just who we are. You know, in terms of some of our, I guess, you know, qualities and characteristics, you know, we are really flexible people. We like to speak our mind. We like transparency and honesty because of the, the I guess, the changes that we've gone through over the last, you know, particularly with our influential period of our childhood and early adult period. We, we are so used to change. So we can you know, take change in our step. And it's very it's very easy for us to, to, to bring that, you know, particularly the workplaces around that change of flexibility. We don't necessarily want to stick to the status quo of the norm of what I guess you could see as stereotypical or traditional notions of what it means to be an adult or what it means to have a successful life, quote, unquote. So we, we've got... A, and with that, so where I'm going with that is, is that the, the trajectories, I guess, around where, so for example, I look at my parents and, and go, okay, so my parents, they were married by under 25, they had four kids, they had a house, they had their superannuation set up, and they're running a business, and I'm like, that's great, and I'm like, you know, so you look at the average 25-year-old today, and you're like, it, it's, it's absolutely not possible, but there's still this, and this is where we're going with this quarter-life crisis that I talk around, is the expectation that we're actually going to have our shit together and have everything ticked off by the age of 25 and it's just not realistically possible a because the world doesn't allow it these days because of you know particular circumstances but b is because we're, we're a completely different breed of people and we don't necessarily <laughs> want that anymore so yeah I guess I guess that's where where we are and, and so when it comes to the workplaces we have a we have a young, you know, we have this emergence at the moment and particularly coming up, I think by 2025, 75% of the global workforce are going to be millennials and millennials and, 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 and Gen Z in that. At the moment, we've got about a 60% mix or blend between Gen Z and millennials. So you think about you've got a fundamentally different generation of people with different values, preferences, working styles, you know, things like working remotely, flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, being able to leverage off technology, coming into workplaces that, might not be ready for that and not just from a infrastructure point of view where you know work from home or work remotely is not a problem but fundamentally understanding that we think differently we do differently um we do we have an entrepreneurial and energy about us we we're initiative focused you know we we like to think outside the box you know so as from an organizational point of view we are uh, and a brilliant bunch of people to, to be having and to be hiring and the the stereotypes that kind of have been there haven't allowed us to kind of fully 
recognize that in ourselves around that, you know what, we are actually a great bunch of people and we can really add value to organizations. You know, we're, we're super hardworking. We're authentic in our approach. We don't like doing same, same. We like difference. We don't do norm, but this is all the really positive thing because we are shifting. And, and I guess, you know, what, what I help organizations understand is why this shift is happening and how to leverage the shift and, yeah. get, and get the most out of millennial people. But that two-way street because unhappy millennials in workplaces means mm-hmm. that they leave, right? And, and I've been an unhappy millennial in a workplace where I've left. And from an organizational point of view, that's really great talent that you've just lost because you haven't understood who I am or or, or the, the different ways of working as a way of being in a workplace. And I think in the work that you do, and, and I guess one of the reasons you know, in reaching out to you, Monique, was because because of the uniqueness and who we are as a generation and because we're living in a, in a day and age where everything is on, um, technology has absolutely fast-paced our lives. Mm-hmm. And with that entrepreneurial energy for millennials where we want to be doing it, we're doing, we're doing constantly and we're doing multiple things constantly, we can be living in this fast-paced world of go, 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 go and doing things and not necessarily knowing that we're moving at so much pace and getting caught up in, I guess, a trajectory of, of life and not knowing if that life is actually the one that we want or that life is the default life that we've kind of just ended up navigating through because of the factors of life and the world around us. And with millennials in particular, we do have such a, a high risk of mental health issues amongst us because of the, because of many factors that we're facing to, in today and age, and burnout is one of them. It's, it's a huge one. So again, you know, thinking about the work that you're doing and, and promoting how to, you know, you say it on your, on your website, you know, the counterintuitive approach of slowing down to speed up is really, really important. You know, we as a generation of people need to learn how to find balance, right, and learn how to do to do less to still achieve the same amount that we want, but in a in a way that we're not sacrificing our well being and mental health at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love all of this. And there are so much to dig in. So I think I just talked about this today, that we're going to be the first generation who's going to prove that achieving a successful life, no matter what that means to you, is possible without all of the burnout, with all of the sacrifice, with all, uh, without having to work yourself to death. And everyone who doesn't believe in that just doesn't see how this is going to be possible. But it's the same thing like people didn't believe we can walk on the moon. And then in 1969, you know, Armstrong just set foot on it. So I think it's like we are shifting the way that life and business can integrate. And I actually don't believe in balance as such because it's kind of like balance kind of has the uh, has kind of a feeling of like this 50-50, which I don't think is kind of achievable. Yeah, yeah. But I, I totally feel like an integration is super important, whereas mindfulness must be like on top of the list, right? And like taking care of, as you said, your mental health and your health in total and just being able to integrate your life and your work so that it actually feels like you're living one and you don't have a work life and your home life, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that, I guess that is another an, another characteristic of, of the younger generations these days. Is mm. Once upon a time, it was about work-life balance, and now it's about work-life integration. And and that's the thing so yep. for workplaces and jobs. We don't want to separate the two. And I, and I, and I agree with you. I don't think we should be, be separating the two. And, and you know, and I, I mean, I look at my own personal journey and experience, and, and, I, and I think a lot of people who are, who are starting out and they're wanting to get into things, you know, building a business, for example, you know, takes time. So, so working for an employer or for, for something else and then having to try and manage that commitment, you know, until you keep building and because, like, you know, it takes time is, is really important. But you're absolutely right. It is about living a life of wholeness and that what, what you're doing in every area is, is integrated. The other thing that you mentioned there, Monique, which I think is, is very interesting, is, is this notion of success. What does it? What does success mean? And I think on two levels, I think success is is, is very sub- subjective. I guess where and I guess my version of success is not going to be the same version as what somebody else thinks is success. But I think from a 
fundamental point of view, from a societal point of view, we have these notions of what it means to be successful because society kind of dictate what it's, what it is to be successful, right? Once upon a time, that would have been, as I said, young, older generations is like fancy, you know, stable job, fancy car, being married, having kids, you know, living in a, you know, in a great house, being in the best, you know, superannuation, you know, X amount of university degrees under your belt, you know, a lot of money, bling, bling, bling. That is, was, 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 and I think in some cases still is seen. As, as what success is but I think for, for us and I know for me personally success is, is that's not success success is what you make it and I think we are as a generation redefining that because we are a little bit more I think I think in our approach like we're a little bit more down to earth we're a little bit more authentic naturally in who we are and we recognize that we don't need all of that to be successful and that actually isn't what what success is because for us it's, it's very very different yeah and I found this really really interesting so we know unfortunately that Australia right now is literally on fire and it's like yeah. devastating to see that I lived in Australia for a year I loved it most of the times <laughs> and uh, you know it is like it's just devastating devastating to see how nature is taking over and literally pays back of what we have done to it right but then with the notion of success it was so interesting to see how Chef Bezos right has donated I think a million Australian dollars to charities and Mm. people were complaining they were complaining about that it wasn't enough because they say you know you make so much money that it was like I think it was was for him a revenue of was it 13 minutes of work for him or something like this I don't know they even calculated that right and then they said like I think and this is one part of being a millennial that social impact is being is massive it's massive right and it's 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 going to be even more and more now that if if you are building a business as a millennial and you're not integrating social impact, you're literally an asshole, right? Yeah. You're, you're literally, <laughs> and you, like, I'm, I'm going to stand right behind it. I'm saying it right here. If you're not giving back to people that need the help and that don't have the opportunities that you have, even if you created them for yourself, it doesn't matter. But the more privileged you are, the more you should be giving back. And if you don't do that, you're just a plain asshole, you know? I'm just <laughs> saying it. I'm, and I'm not sorry for it. And I mean, I come from a very privileged place and I think you do as well, right? So we're, yeah, very much we're probably so. a number, number two behind white males being privileged. <laughs> and I know, like, I talk about white privilege sometimes, right? And people go yeah. nuts on me. They call me racist and sexist and all of these things. I'm like, fine, you know, like, just, you know, where the door is. Yeah. But it's a thing, right? And I think it like is. giving back and social impact is so huge for millennials, right? It really is. It really is. Um, you know, because we, we do want to be making a difference. And I think I think what you said before and, and, and whether or not, you know, the Australian fires is a relevant example, but we have really tarnished our planet and it's going to be us who are picking up the pieces and having to try to, you know, nurture Mother Earth into um <laughs> Yeah, you know, and whether whether we can or not, I, I don't know. But but it's mm-hmm. up to us, and and I think you know the, the benefit is is where our mindset of people that social impact, as we both said, you know we're, we're very strongly focused. We want to be making a difference. We actually care. But but the reality is 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 we're we're actually kind of picking up the pieces of the damage that has been done to our planet as a result of generations gone by. So I guess you know it is this really difficult, and I think there is probably a lot of you know, a little bit of resentment in that as well is because we can see, I guess we can see and we're a little bit more aware of, of, of A, how bad the planet is and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and the impacts of what's happening at the moment on a global level. But, but the, the ability to want to do something about it, but, but things not happening quick enough, yeah? Right. So, um, so yeah. Right. And I found this notion really interesting because I think people don't see what else people are doing. And I don't think giving back has to be financially. So, I mean, this Jeff Bezos example was really, really interesting to see because, first of all, he doesn't need to give one million Australian dollars to Australia, right? He can do with his money whatever he wants to do, but he does give back. And on another side, I mean, yes, Jeff Bezos makes billions of dollars a year and I mean he could donate probably a few billions more but he does donate a lot of money and I mean it's also up to him where he does donate it to so to complain about that he doesn't donate enough when he donates a million Australian dollars yeah. was quite a thing for me it was like oh wow okay yeah, <laughs> like it's, look, it's, 
it's, it's very easy, I think, for people to point fingers. Um, but right. it's like, well, hang on, let's, let's have a look at yourself here. You know, it, it's right. a contribution nonetheless. And But you're absolutely right. Contribution to making a difference does not have to be financial. It can be as simple as turning off a light switch or recycling. Um, you know, these little things, you know, taking shorter showers, these little things that we're doing to help improve the earth and our impact. Yeah, so it's you're absolutely right. It's easy to sit and point blame and, you know, point fingers. So um, it's, it's, how can we take this into corporations and businesses as a millennial? I think a, a couple of things. I think, and I guess what I try to encourage organizations to do is is because we... Because millennials are, as you know, as we said, really, really socially focused and want to be making a difference, it puts us in a great position of being able to take on new initiatives or projects that can actually benefit organisations. So if there's nothing happening at the moment in an organisation where they can be making some kind of difference to the planet or to their local communities or to the world on a, on a, on a greater level, it's like, well, how, what, what is it? What can we do? Is it like, you know, do we go back and look at, you know, think little things like supply chain, you know, th those, those kind of things. The, the other thing is, is, is I think millennials are, are, well, they are definitely much more attracted to working for organisations who are making a difference already. So you are going to get, by default, more millennials and Gen Z moving into organisations where there is global impact happening already. They're seeing that they're working for an organisation that has heart, that actually cares, that actually gives a shit about, you know, the world around them, the people around them. And that is really, really important for us. So I, in, in, in the work that I do with organisations, I often, I, you know, I, I'm very open about this fact and I encourage them to be doing something about that because if not, then it's kind of a risk factor for a millennial because I don't, I don't know about you, Millie, but, but, but it is a big thing for me. And I want to know that, that clients that I'm working with, that organisations I'm working with are actually doing their part to make a difference because if they're not, then it's like it doesn't sit with my values, right? It doesn't sit with my preferences as a millennial and as an individual human being. So it kind of doesn't impact the relationship, but it makes me think about whether or not it's worth my time, yeah? You want to be dealing with people who are on that same wavelength, particularly with things that are significant like impact, you know, global impact, climate change, what have you, they're mm -hmm. big things, they're big things. So from, yeah, so from an organisational point of view, that's what I encourage is that you want, if you're not making a difference already, you want to be making a difference. And for those that are doing it, it's like, well, how can we make it, how can we get the best out of millennials who are socially focused like this, who want to take initiative, who want to be making a difference, put them on them, you know, let them manage and let them create something new because it fulfills that need for us, I think, too, as people. Yeah, 100%. I love that. So going a little bit back in time, when would you say in your personal life did you kind of start to understand, all right, so maybe uh, how I value uh, working in an organization or in a corporation is very much different from what I'm expected to do here. And was there any kind of situation where you really kind of ran against the wall? Yeah, I think um, it's a really interesting one because I, I'm such a reflective person, so I do do a lot of reflection. And obviously, in writing writing my book, I, I wrote another book in, in 2017, which kind of did a really big deep dive reflection on, on stories of my life, um, particularly my own experience with burnout as well. You know, coming into that period of, of 26, where just doing too much, um, and on hindsight, you kind of look at it and go, "Yep, I'm having my quarter life crisis back at that point in time." And again, you know, looking at a lot of those millennial traits. But I guess when it comes from an organisational point of view, it was probably coming up toward my later 20s where I just, I was experiencing what I what I call intergenerational conflict in the workplace. So it's, it's essentially, well, conflict is like, you know, if you're, you don't understand your colleagues, so there's tension, friction, disharmony, discord, disagreement between work colleagues. And I was having some difficulties with management at the time. And I'm like, I just, I just didn't feel like, you know, they were getting me, I was getting them. And so I started to research, uh, actually, um, you know, what was going on, more about millennials, more around generational adversity. And I kind of then came to this realisation of going, oh, okay, so it's actually not me. And I'd had a couple of, of, of situations in, in the workplace where, you know, little things like asking for a pay rise, right? And because, you know, that it's always a difficult conversation to have. But I remember yeah. my manager at the time saying, and you know, and I'd literally you know, slogged my guts out for this organization a few years ago. You know, I was working longer hours, which we don't like doing, going beyond, you know, and I'm a very, very hard worker at the best of times. But I remember having this conversation with my manager and, and looking around and going, okay, well, this is what I'm doing and, and everybody else here is being paid more than me. And it's not necessarily about the money, but it's about, you know, being recognized for the amount of work that I'm putting in. Mm -hmm. So I asked for, for a pay rise and it wasn't a significant amount. And I remember she looked at me and she got quite flustered and, and, and her response was, no, you have to prove yourself. And that for me was like the 
the flick and I'm like, no, 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 not happening. I have flogged myself to death. But, but in hindsight, so what I did is I went away and I sat there and I thought about it. I'm like, okay, so is it me or is it, is it her or is it like just this thing? And I realized that it, that actually wasn't a, a personal dig. And it was, it was a result of her because she was a, a baby boomer, right? So she had grown up in a, in a, in a culture where you needed to be working, you know, around the clock, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, be fully committed to an organization but be working like for years and years and years until you get promoted, right? And then everything like salary base was based on, you know, time in an organization. So for her, for me to prove myself meant that I had to do the same thing as what she had done, right? But for me, you know, I'm a completely different person. That's not, you know, I'm not going to be sitting in an organization for 10 years working to the bone just to get a promotion. Hey, I don't give a shit about a promotion for, for a start because that's not how, you know, I like it, you know, it's experience. And, and I think that's something about millennials as well is, you know, the hierarchy or looking at things differently. It's not necessarily going to go up a corporate ladder. We're happy to do a sideways step. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, um, so, and, and I'm absolutely not. And, and as millennials, we're not as committed to, to workplaces as they were once upon a time. I mean, I like flexibility. I like working with lots of different people with lots of different clients. And mm. I found that over the last five years of my life, every six months, I was coming up saying, okay, so I'm ready for new here. So, you know, working as a consultant and freelance was always that, um, it gave me that ability to, to keep moving. But, but the thing is, is we don't want to be pigeonholing ourselves these days into anything super long-term because we love diversity, right? We love the flexibility. So unless we're finding jobs or organizations that can accommodate that, whether or not they put us into different positions, you know, secondments, what have you, we're going to get bored very, very easily, right? So, so that's, yeah, so I don't know, I've completely gone off on a tangent here. It was talking about, you know, me and, and what got me into this. So going back to that, so I started to, to, to get really super hungry, I guess, to know more around what's actually happening. And as a millennial myself, having written my first book was a really good platform, I guess, to, to, to look at those fundamental things that made me me. But then in looking at us as a wider millennial generation, I'm like, okay, so it's not just me. It's like, I've got a community of people out there that think like me, which is great. So yeah. that's kind of what, I guess, fueled my, my, my writing into my second book was, you know, again, just going and like having that conversation with people, having that own experience of going through burnout and, and knowing what it's like, but being really conscious of it, you know, moving from Oz to London, um, I love London, but it's a fast paced moving city, right? Like yep. the big cities across Europe, like New York, like Lift so everything is go, go, mm-hmm. go. Exactly. So if you're not really conscious or cognizant of the fact that you're caught up in this fast-paced energy, right? You can get really easily swept into it and burnout can happen. And so for me, even at this point in time, it's such a, I'm really just conscious of of how I'm feeling energetically. And which is why, you know, I designed firstly my first book, A Few Tips to help people navigate through these, these crises, I guess, or wellbeing. The, the, the book that I've that I've written around the quarter life crisis, how to avoid by by like you know fundamentally understanding the issues. But again, you're coming back to those practices or tips of like how can we how can we be more efficient with our time and integrate everything in this wholesome way, but feel good about ourselves, right? Feel not from like an authentic, not just from being authentic and who we are, but from that wider well being focus because because of this you know risk that, that that we are in today with mental health issues um so how do we kind of mitigate that risk Basically, right just how to be happy and live a fulfilling life yeah totally so talking about burnout i mean i went through burnout it was horrendous and i think these days to be very honest burnout is kind of thrown around a little bit carelessly. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time someone is stressed and, and just can't really deal with stress, they kind of just throw around that they're burnout. But there's really a clinical definition of burnout, right? And so I've been there, I would want to say it twice, but uh, it, would be, it would be hard to admit it was like twice. But once it really hit me hard and... Mm-hmm. I know how I literally got in. It was a combination of so many things. I've been bullied for over two years at work from my uh, supervisor, basically. I had a consistent level of stress while I was also chronically sick for an extended time of over six months. And I was working at 12 hours a day for at least, I think, also like six months over this period of time when I was chronically sick but I was only paid for eight hours a day so the uh, um, 
basically the acknowledgement and feeling that you're valuable and everything wasn't there whatsoever. So it drove me basically into a lot of doubting myself, into questioning whether or not you're good enough for this job and everything, being bullied. So the question is, we have a few guests here with the dogs in the background. (laughs) The question is, so how... Like, what did you experience when you got into your burnout? So maybe in in very short, how did you get into the burnout and how did it feel for you? Yeah, okay. So so for me, I had... I guess being a, a high achiever and a reformed, I'll say reformed, but a commas perfectionist, I was doing a lot. I, I, had, I had moved. I was juggling full-time work. I was juggling university commitments. I was trying to build a business on the side. So my life was like from a work effort point of view was, was phenomenal. There was no time to switch off at all. Um, I became really run down constant sickness, constant sickness, you know, living my diet was terrible. I was living on coffee, on sugar. I had no social life. I basically cut myself off and I kind of started getting into this, this mindset of, of, of and having had depression in my early twenties as well. It's kind of these, these familiar feelings coming back and going, oh my gosh, I'm getting really low about myself. And, and like you said, Monique, it's like self-esteem's going out the window, self-work's going out the window, confidence is gone. I'm starting to not love myself anymore. I mean, I'm doing so much and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm being pulled in any which way. And, and I remember going to the doctor about it, you know, a couple of times and she's like, oh, you're experiencing all the signs of burnout. You need to basically stop, like absolutely stop. And I'm like, burnout, what's that? So I go back and I get on with it, right? Because that's what I do. I can manage all of this. It's fine. I'll just, just need some more sleep. And, but it hit me. Yeah. And it hit me again. And, and I had, I couldn't get out of bed. It got to a point where I'm like, I actually cannot physically get out of bed anymore. I, I, I can't do this. I absolutely can't do this. And yeah. so try and trying to rebuild yourself from that took a lot of time, took a mm. lot of time. And it's not just from the physical point of view, it's a complete mindset shift in doing that and it's and it's hard to kind of for me it was really difficult to sit in that and it's really difficult to because it's difficult it was difficult then to stop you know to stop doing because of this constant movement this constant go to to be physically forced to stop was was horrid it was it was the most horrible thing ever so yeah it's not pretty at all yeah I can totally relate. So when I went into burnout, I was 24 years old and I literally could not get out of bed. But at this point, I did what you I cannot recommend doing. I just forced myself through it. So instead of basically taking the time out, which I then was forced to because I got a spine injury. So mm-hmm. I literally drove myself into into a complete <laughs> knockout. So with this burnout, literally I drove myself into having a spine injury from all of the stress. It, there's a longer uh, story before. So it, it was an accident that wasn't treated properly and everything. And then, but I had four discs herniating and prolapsing and they cut off the main mm-hmm. spinal cord. So I couldn't even walk anymore. So I was mm-hmm. literally, I would literally forced to stay in bed but before that I had it took me three hours to literally throw me out of bed and trying to get up so this I can relate to that not having any energy like your body feels so heavy it's kind of as if it was glued to the floor. Yeah, yeah, like all this heavy weight. So, yeah, it's so painful also. Like all your joints are kind of like burning and it's so heavy. My eyes, I cannot tell you, they were red, they were burning, they were tearing. I could barely open them. And this is how I went to work for a month before then my spine said like, okay, thank you, bye. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. What did you do to, first of all, having to admit and acknowledge that and then taking this mindset shift out of like, okay, I I literally have to stop being on this go, go, go mentality and yeah, giving us a few actionable steps because I think a lot of millennials have an issue with acknowledging that and adopting a new mindset for that yeah definitely look I think for me personally it was a um it was kind of what uh, I guess you could say is kick-started my own journey of self-discovery in a way because it, it was then on in that I that I started to find out who I was I, I think fundamentally you start recognizing and and I think because you are forced to stop it's like okay well let's just take a look at 
what's going on and 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 kind of having to go deep within right and and really having a conversation with yourself and 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 you know looking yourself in the mirror and saying okay so is the life I'm living I know this sounds easier said than done because this was a process of years but is the life I'm living actually the one that I want to be doing am what I doing am I doing the things is this for me right am I doing this for me or am I doing this because my parents told me that this is what I have to be to be an adult or this is what I have to be to achieve success right so that's like that was a journey for me over over a couple of years of rediscovering of who I was to to get to that point of going well you know what actually no I'm actually not doing this for myself because I don't want to do it and 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 this is something that I thought I should be doing because people tell me I should be doing this in the world around the space it says that this is like what you should be doing so so I guess that was it I mean that's the as I said easier said than done but that was a, a process but I guess from a step-by-step point of view is 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 it's like again going back and looking at it is is a priority it's like okay so I've got you know I'm doing 10 things you know what is actually a priority and why is it a priority like you're looking at why am I doing what I'm doing right is it for for somebody else and is it yeah and if it's not for you then don't do it right so so I'm like a a bit of a like goal setter as well goal setter I don't know like I said intense but I think when you're juggling with multiple things that you want to be doing because I struggle with this energy of I wish I was like clone myself 10 times so I could yeah. do everything that I want to do yeah. right? because I have so much energy and Still, ambition and drive same. to be yeah. doing everything yeah but but realistically we are one human being and we have the, the amount of energy for one human being so it's not to say that we can't do everything but it's time okay so let's focus on one thing or two things and mm. do it and do it well and then see where it goes and if it doesn't work or we find halfway through that it's like yeah I'm ready to move on then move on to the next so it's about this balancing of, of yes, of, of recognizing that yes, we can actually do it all, but let's just do it smartly. So let's just do one thing at a time, right? And, and prioritizing what you want to do first, I, I guess. And then that being said is, is kind of time management. And, you know, and I said this earlier before, it's things like setting up your own business. It, it takes time, right? And it's one thing that, that millennials do, do struggle with is, is instant gratification. So we do want things to be happening just like right now because we're growing up in this world. But with, with things like building businesses and, 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 you know, developing, I guess, credibility and, and your platform and your place in the world, it, it takes time, right? So to recognize that if I'm looking at pursuing a long-term goal, like setting up a business, that it's not going to happen in three months' time. Look, it may do the starts of it, but to get where I want to be, it's going to take, it may take a little bit longer time than that and to be realistic. So it's like setting up realistic expectations for yourself rather than setting yourself up for failure because that's the other thing that, that we do is, is is when we, you know, we might say I want to achieve this in six months and we get to six months, it's like, okay, so we haven't done it. And then it's just that whole, we go back to that state of going, well, I failed, right? Well, no, you haven't failed. It just hasn't, it just hasn't flourished or it hasn't, you know, evolved to this point at this, and that's okay. So recognizing again and going back, it's, it's expectation setting and knowing that it's not, and I have a look at, look at it and I, and I, and I still do it to now. And sometimes, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at different priorities and how to manage them, I'm like, okay, so this is a priority, but, but something, some things it's like, you know, I had, I had somebody say to me not long ago, I was like, it was not like it's life or death, right? Like it's not like somebody's dying. Like, it's not that, like when you think about it, like a reality check, you've got people out there dying in the world, right? Starving. This is a first world problem. Like, let's just think about it from that point of view. It can wait. And, mm-hmm. and then fundamentally, like at the end of the day, it's, it's how, how do you feel like, as a person? Like self-care is, is such a, a critical thing is oh, taking big. care of yourself. And that's, yeah. that's what I think underlies all of this. Because, if, if you know, eating well, getting enough sleep, finding time for you, switching off. And time management for me personally helps. That I schedule in time for me. Like I have my time every single day because it is so fundamentally important to not just your well-being, but being able to do things, like being able to do things efficiently, right, and not reaching that point. Because if we are attuned and connected with ourselves and how we feel, and we are, then, then we're much more likely going to avoid getting ourselves caught up in those situations where they do become out of control. And we're much more, a state of mind and our mindset is in, is in a place where we are cognizant to recognizing any, any risks or anything that might flag up for us where if we are not slept for a week or we haven't eaten well or we've, you know, become so introverted where we can't see anything that we, we end up, you know, running down a different different path or, or loophole. So, yeah, so I guess that they're kind of just a few of the, the things that, that I would recommend, from, just certainly from a personal point of view. Yeah, and it's so, so big. I think a lot of people forget to 
take care of them first because we are told like you know to take care of everyone else's needs and what was really big for me was literally to stop and what I mean is like and it's actually like a Buddhist thing that I've uh, adopted back in the day so when I was 24 I had my burnout I was reading about like Buddhism and everything and one thing that helped me was literally to stop and breathe and smile and so that would be like when you go out and walk somewhere just to stop and look up in the sky for example and appreciate the sun and even if it takes like three or five seconds just right but to take this time to just stop right in where you are and take yourself back into the moment. And what I loved was like this awareness building. So what Buddhists also do is like everything that they do, especially with monks, everything that they do, they're practicing awareness in the moment. So for example, if you take a shower, you want to feel the water running over your head down your hair down you know your shoulders whatever and literally practicing this awareness to be in the moment that helped me so much to just get out of this like go 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 kind of mentality and during my work days I would sometimes just be in the middle of something even if it was a big meeting or there was a huge discussion I would detach myself by stepping back, I take a step back, breathe deeply and just look around and be like, okay, what's going on? Where am I? What's right here? Who's here with me? And, and just look into like the situation. And sometimes it would help me to also like calm down emotions and whatever. And I think detaching yourself from the situations and just take yourself back right into the moment can be really, really, really helpful as a really simple mindfulness tool. Definitely. And I think um, I completely agree with all of that. And I I know even in my first book, I wrote like meditation is such a huge, awareness is Mm. such a huge, this is such big things. Um, So I absolutely agree and highly recommend very much so. Yeah. And I love this really, because they're so simple, right? These awareness practices, you just go out and literally in your mind, point out what's there. Oh, look at the green leaves. Oh my God, the sky is so blue. Look at the cloud that looks like a crocodile. Whatever it is, like these simple awareness things like that brought so much not only joy but it brought me so much back into like where I am now right without having my mind running I mean my mind is on still on 180 kilometers per hour (laughs) but it's it's running often now in like what's here what's now instead of like past or future thoughts absolutely because we do I think as humans we we do we spend a lot of time in our head and it it is it's getting rid of worrying about or think like worrying about what's coming up or thinking about what's happened and we're missing out on this now which is the most beautiful thing so yeah the mindfulness to to bring us back to the present is so so important yeah I love that I just uh, recently read a quote that says like the most time we spend is in our hats and we should make it a nice place so make it like a garden and plant flowers whatever it is I was like oh my god this is so true because you spent like you literally spend 24 7 thinking whatever it is right conscious or unconscious habitual thoughts thought loops whatever it is you should just make them amazing and you should make them shining bright and be colorful and whatever instead of like these doubting thoughts and you know putting yourself down whatever you got brainwashed into in the first eight to ten years of your life definitely definitely agree so okay I usually ask my guests a few questions about efficiency because that's what we're here for. So let's do that in regards for millennials. First of all, I usually ask, how do you define efficiency for yourself? That's a really interesting one. I guess for me, efficiency is just doing, doing, the, be- doing the best that I can do in what I do and getting things done that I want to do, I guess. Awesome. I love that. And so if you look back on your life now and where you're right here right now, which would be the top three things that you would always repeat? Again, um, I think going back to, to what I was saying before, um, time management um, is, is, is firstly a really important one. I am like, I can plan anything to death. Um, you need to like just schedule time. And people who use so super anal, I'm like, no, but this is how I get everything done. Like you need to time manage. Um, Absolutely. And that includes putting you time in that, that planner as well. 
prioritizing as well. As I said before, it's like, okay, so I realize that I'm consciously aware of being able to do all this stuff. So priorities and, and I'm a massive like post-it sticky note girl. So I like my to-do list. I'm a to-do list girl. So I'm like, I write to-do lists and I write them like in pen and paper so I can physically cross them off my list because it feels good. So, <laughs> so that time management priority and um, yeah, realistic expectations, I, I guess it's mm. like, um, I, I mean, I'm really big on, on reflection. So I take a time time every Sunday to do a reflection on the week and give gratitude. Um, but looking at you know, looking at what what was coming up from the week and, and where I'm going, and it's it's being able to to manage my own expectations. Going, this is actually achievable. Yeah. The other thing, I guess, for me, and um, it's probably another conversation that can be had, is is learning how to to manifest. I guess what you want and work with energy and the universe much more, much smarter, so you can be creating without necessarily having to to do all that physical action that comes with that. So getting into habits of like affirmation. Um, meditation again working with that manifestation or of attraction and energy to, to, to help speed, not speed up because we don't want to be keep as I said going in this fast-paced life but help help support the creation of, of getting things done and what it is that we want to be doing and where it is we want to be going I love that Jacqueline it's been awesome to have this conversation thank you so so much please let everyone know where they can find you and where they can read about smashing avocados so I'm online. I'm at JacquelineFitz.com. You can find me there. Um, I'm on all social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. So I'm around. So you can pop me into Google search engine and you'll find me. Awesome. And your latest book was that the avocado one? Yes. Smashed Avocado and the Quarter Life Crisis, a Millennial Survival Guide, uh, published May last year. And it's available online and in a lot of retailers around the world. Again, check out my website for, for further information on that. I love that. Pable, if you want to learn about millennials, how they're different, how to integrate them in the workforce or not, and how you can get out of it, how you can uh, smash your avocados and get your shit together, you should check out Chaglin's uh, website. We're going to link it down below in the show notes. Chaglin, thank you so, so much for, first of all, finding me and connecting with me. It's been awesome and having this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Monique. It's been a pleasure. Really, really appreciate it. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And please follow on Instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember, slow down to speed up.